You've tuned into the Soundcast Stereo. I'm Eric Woods from Cinematic Sound Radio. I'm on channel... Am I channel one this time because I'm doing <laughs> yeah, the intro? I guess you... <laughs> I'm on channel one, and I'm still angry that Chariots of Fire won best score over Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I'm Christopher Coleman, tracksounds.com, and I'm still angry that I have this freaking cough. Soundcast Stereo episodes are two-channel, 30-minute conversations focused on a single topic from the world of film, television, or video game soundtracks. You can find all of our episodes with Soundcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Google Music Podcasts, and wherever you can find podcasts. You can send your feedback to us at soundcast.tracksense.com or use our SpeakPipe widget on our site to leave us a voicemail or hit us up on Twitter at TrackSounds or on Facebook. Today is Tuesday, January 24th, 2017, and this is episode 14, where Chris and I react to the recently released nominations for Best Original Score for the 89th Academy Awards. Well, Eric, today, as you know, the official nominees for the 89th Academy Awards were announced. La La Land was one of the big uh, winners in terms of nominees with 14 uh, Moonlight and Arrival both got eight nominations. Manchester by the Sea, Lion, and Hacksaw Ridge got six nominations. The Oscars themselves, the big day, is uh, on on Sunday, February 26, 2017. It's going to be on ABC. Eric, how are you feeling on Oscar nomination day? Uh, you know what? For someone who says he doesn't care about it, I was up early this morning watching the nominations. <laughs> <laughs> and uh i didn't mind the uh the presentation this time i mean they didn't do it live they had a video um yeah. recorded video done uh some of it was a little hokey um but it was it, it, you know what i liked about it is that every single category was announced unlike before mm-hmm. where it's just the major categories and the secondary categories kind of come out after that broadcast is over so it was nice to see uh everything out there and just kind of see all the surprises and not so, you know, surprising films get nominated. Although I didn't expect yeah. La La Land to get 14 nominations. Holy it's tied for the record. Yeah, but you know what? Hollywood does love itself, so it's it true. shouldn't have been a, a surprise. But wow, like 14 tied 14? for all time. That's crazy. That's insane. It's insane. I mean, it's a good movie, and, and I like it a lot. But I, I, I didn't think it would do anything like that, so... Um, but tonight, we're going to be talking about one particular category that uh, most people listening to this podcast are probably keen to uh, talk about, or or at least hear us talk about, us chuckleheads <laughs> talking about it. Um, but the Best Score nominees were announced as a part of that this morning. And uh, so we're just going to run through, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to run through those nominees, kind of react to each one whether we think it was deserving, not deserving. Um, and then we'll get into, of the, of these five that have been nominated, which uh, was the biggest surprise for us uh, out of those five, which we think should win out of those five, and then which we think will win. And then we're going to uh, give our own personal five nominations, what our five would be if we were in the Academy. <coughs> uh, we'll, list, we'll list those with maybe some honorable mentions uh, to boot. So let's just jump right in and let's go through these guys kind of quickly. Um, La La Land by Justin Hurwitz was 
uh, nominated. I feel that was not a surprise at all and completely welcome. What about you? Yeah, it didn't surprise me at all. No, I mean, a film about music, it's, it's, it's like the artist. It's, yeah, it's very much It's so. going to be nominated for sure. Yep. Yep. Uh, the next one uh, nominated was Lion by Dustin O'Halloran and Hauschka. Uh, I wasn't totally surprised by that. It's gotten lots of buzz and it's gotten other noms uh, from other awards, I believe. I believe it was nominated for a Golden Globe, I think. I didn't double check that. Um, but wasn't totally surprised with that. How about you? No, it uh, it's a critically acclaimed movie, and you know most of the, I think about four out of five of these nominations I expected just because the the, the movies themselves are, are doing well critically. So, yeah. Lion was, you know, and it's not none of these are really terrible, with exception of maybe one that I thought <laughs> was rather distracting, and then there's one that's like a what, but yeah. Lion, it's it's serviceable, um, it's. It's an interesting collaboration between two friends who didn't even realize they were working with each other until they started working with each other, which is such a crazy story. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and, and and what they what they both did was was okay, but nothing really earth shattering. So yeah, again, I, I think this goes more towards the the film's reputation than the score itself. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Uh, the next nominee is Moonlight by Nicholas uh, Breitel. Um, this one also not unexpected. Uh, this is one of the the few that I can I can get get behind um, and say okay, you know what it. Well, we'll get into that of what it made my list later. But um, I'm I, I'm like okay, I'm okay with this one. I, I feel okay about it being nominated. How about you? Yeah, another kind of functional score. It's an experimental work in some of the stuff that. Uh, uh, Jenkins did that, uh, what he called, um, oh, what was it called? Chopped and screwed, mm. uh, type of, uh, I think it was like Southern hip hop music where he got the idea where they mm-hmm. kind of s- slow and alter the pitch of the music. And so, um, it's an interesting contrast, uh, to the film as well, because it's, it's more classical Yes, and yet, you know, and that, that's kind of, I think what really brought this score out. So I think this one is, is, is better than, than most. And I would say I'm not really disappointed by this. Again, it feels rather functional. It's, it's okay. Um, on its own, it's not, it's not the greatest thing in the world, but, um, I, I do like the process and, and the creativity that, uh, went into the creation of the score. Sure. I, I agree. I have more to say on that a little bit later. Um, the next nominee is Jackie by Micah Levy. Um, or is it Mika? I'm, I'm never quite Mika sure. Mika Levi. Mika. I think <laughs> Got them all wrong. Name. Mika yeah. Levi. Um, I Levy. I'm not sure. I about thought whatever. it was Levy, but <clears throat> you're probably right. Yeah. Um, I just saw Jackie finally this, this past weekend and really enjoyed um, Natalie Portman's performance. Enjoyed the film overall. I... I I felt I was very distracted but in a lot of moments by her score. Um, this whole pitch bending thing she's got going. It just, I literally was like, wow, what's, why is that? What is she doing there? And completely pulled me out of the movie. movie. And at times it was just in complete contrast to the emotion. I thought the scene was trying, specific scenes were trying to portray. And it just put this kind of, like, like it was going into the Twilight Zone, bendy sort of thing, like, going in contrast to what you think it should sound like. I don't know what their goal was there. I don't even know who I blame. If I blame uh, Michael Levy or the director, I'm sure the director 
gave her that dire- that direction, but found it very, very um, incongruous with what was going on in a lot of moments. But at other times, uh, it worked very well. So um, I'm not surprised that it's there, though. But but after seeing it, I was like, wow, people are nominating this, and they felt that it worked that well. So I'm a, I'm a little surprised. I think this is one that's kind of splitting audiences. Uh, I've read reports from, from people who said that they've come out of the theater and people are actually talking about the score and talking about it in a positive light where others were completely and utterly uh, distracted by the music like, like you were. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I did happen to find out about the score uh, based on a, an interview that uh, Levi did with Daniel Schweiger is that she wrote mo- much of the score before seeing the film. Mm. It's a process I'm not a really big fan of. Um, I'm not sure whether, again, we're thinking of like a Michael Giacchino, Jupiter Ascending type thing where Mm. a suite of music was written and then he went back and and made everything sort of match to to the actual film itself. But um, I I get the idea and I understand what she was trying to do. Uh, The score is incredibly depressing, kaleidoscopic, confusing. Um, it seems almost random, a little bit f- flimsy, very impressionistic, which is, it goes with, um, Mika Levi's MO. It's mm-hmm. the type of stuff that she does. She does weird, yep. different things, um, coming from a very, um, I would guess new school thought of film composing where you gotta be different. You gotta do something different, whether it maybe works in context or not. Um, I think that, uh, you know what really interested me about the score more than anything was the use of silence. I love how there were a little bit of breaks and then a, a, a new phrase would come in. And I don't think I've heard that in the score or something like that um, applied in, in a score in, in a very long time. And I don't think I can ever recall anybody doing something like that. Mm-hmm. So it just seemed like um, a few thoughts and then a pause and another thought and another pause. But, Again, from what I've heard from most people, again, I haven't seen the movie. I've seen a couple of clips online. Um, It's either a film that necessarily didn't need a score and or two was incredibly distracting. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I'm getting from most of the people that I've talked to about the movie and the application of the music in it. I think the film definitely needed a score. I mean, some really powerful moments in it. And, you know, there are some where she is... Pitch perfect in <clears throat> at least in how I was feeling about the scene and her underscoring it and elevating those emotions. She was right on uh, in a number of scenes. Um, there are others where man, someone could have really gone to town. Some might, some other people in the audience might have felt uh, had they heard the score that I had in my mind as I was watching it um, that had been over the top and manipulative and blah blah blah. But there's some real um, the the climax of the the emotional climax of the movie really could have had something amazing playing. I'm surprised, a little bit surprised, that they didn't use um, Samuel Barber's Adagio over strings because that's what was used during the actual funeral, um, mm. and they didn't use that during the actual funeral. I thought there might be some nods to it, and maybe there were, and I missed it, but um, I was expecting that, and and it wasn't there, and it would have been pretty powerful, I I, I think so. Um, yeah, that one's a, it's a, before seeing the film and just hearing the score, I was like, okay, I, I can see why that would get nominated in the, in today's current sort of taste for film music. Uh, but after seeing it, yeah, that's definitely the key. Today's taste. That is 
key in all of this. And, and, and so you're after, dead on. And after seeing it, though, I was like, well, this kind of, you know, Moonlight, Lion, I, those did the job. But this one's like, I don't, f- I, there's some parts that just didn't do the job for me. So now, so I'm a little bit surprised in that way. Um, but nonetheless, congratulations uh, to her on that nomination. Yeah, three film scores and finally an Academy Award nomination. Not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Uh, but now for the one I think we both <laughs> raised an eyebrow or two or three or four yeah. uh, today about. And uh, the final nominee is Passengers by Thomas Newman. I shall give you the floor first, sir. Oh, man. <laughs> did anybody see the movie? That's what I'm wondering. Like, did they actually watch this or they just saw Thomas Newman's, Newman's name and then said, ah, we got to pick between Thomas Newman and John Williams here. Uh, let's give it to Newman. You know, he's got to lose again. Yeah. I I told someone on Twitter that I think he should have just rejected the nomination. He's like, spare me, guys. Spare yeah, me. not even show up. Yeah. And this is the year he wins. Just yeah. For, oh, my God. Just kind of like, imagine that. Oh, my gosh. Just that will be fun. That If he does, oh. that will be a fun time of a fun Twitter time. No oh, doubt about it. Insane. That would be insane. <laughs> yeah, no, this is this is Newman kind of mailing it in. Uh it's it's not bad. Yeah. Um it's everything that I think you want in a Thomas Newman score if you expect the you know, when you say the name Thomas Newman, mm-hmm. throw on passengers and, and it's it's what you get. It's it's not terrible, but again, nothing uh, nothing that he hasn't done before. So yeah. he's, he's in his comfort zone and does it well, but I don't know how it works in the movie and the movie got panned like crazy. So yeah, uh, <laughs> again, I, I think it's just the name and they just kind of gave him another nomination. It definitely wasn't the tone that I was expecting. You know, when I heard Thomas Newman, I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't know if he was going to do something somewhat different to what he normally does. But when I listened to it, I was like, well, it's kind of Wally-ish in some places. Yeah. And, okay, that's space. That's outer spacey. Um, but <laughs> yes. it just, the tone was just, I haven't seen the film, so I don't know. I, I look forward to seeing it when it's free uh, to see how it works in that film. <laughs> but it just, and then listening to it, it's just like, okay, there's not much here for me to sink my teeth into apart right. from seeing the film. So uh, just absolute, complete shock. At that nomination, I can't think of a score I've been more shocked about being nominated in a while. To be honest, I mean, I just complete bewilderment when I saw that. Yeah, yeah, but we'll see. We will see. It will. It would be fun time. Fun times on Twitter if he somehow if they give him the win after all of the snubs that that he may or may not have have had over the years. It would be the biggest upset of oh. all. Like, I mean, man, there's been some big upsets, but. You just think that, well, you know what? Like we were talking, um, when I opened the show, you know, Raiders Lost Ark, I, 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 you know, I would think that that would have had it in the bag, but Chariots Fire was quite popular at the same time. Yep. But, you know, you think like, is Empire Strikes Back going to lose to fame? <laughs> it did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you just don't so, know what these guys, I mean, maybe they know. have one heck of a um, awards campaign going for passengers. Uh, I don't maybe. know. I don't know how they how they pulled that off, but kudos to the PR agency for, yeah. for Thomas Newman because yeah. some somebody's done something right. All right, well, those are the five nominees: La La Land, uh, Lion, Moonlight, Jackie, and Passengers. Um, which do you think 
uh, I think we agree the biggest surprise was passengers, hands down. Mm-hmm. Which do you think of those five should win based on your own tastes? Uh, La La Land, I think, is the the most fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's um, at points extremely well written. Uh, most of it seems like standard jazz, but I think the integration integration of uh, the song melodies into the score itself really is going to help its cause. Yes. Um, but I think out of all of them, if I had a choice to listen to any one of the five, again, it would easily be La La Land. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think it should win uh, for the same exact reasons you just mentioned. Um, so I won't belabor that point anymore. Um, have you have you listened to both the full score album as well as the the initial album? Yes. That had both, yeah. Yes. Uh, so it's 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 a good work. I mean, it's it's a very enjoyable listen, and um, you know the th- the thematic through line really I think helps elevate it, and it's become so memorable. And then you've got obviously you've got songs using those same melodies, so it just ingrains it in everybody's head. And I I don't see. I don't see any of those sco- other scores uh, topping it out. Yeah, you, you talk about memorability, and I, I don't think any f- one of the five, with the, I mean, the exception of La Land, I mean, anybody's going to remember these mm-hmm. um, choices, you know, months after the awards are, are, are announced. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I, I forgot who was uh, doing the announcement for the Academy Awards. Um, I think it was Jennifer Hudson. And she yes. was um, She was very excited. To- she was very excited. She kind of screwed up the Jaws motif, but she, you know, was talking about how memorable, you know, the Jaws theme was and, and how important that score was to the film. And she's right. Mm-hmm. And then you get these five nominations <laughs> and you're like, well, I can't remember a lick of them with the exception of La La Land. Yeah, it's very true. And that is because basically of the songs, but it's, it's, it's almost been um, something that's been going on for many years now where I mean, back in the 80s and 90s, you can almost look back and go, wow, what a great year. And I can remember all those scores. But uh, yeah, wow, I don't think I don't think you're going to be able to do that with this year's crop. No, I don't think so. Um, It's you know, it seems to have changed to what is the what is the what are the best movies of the year? And what were those Mm -hmm. scores, essentially? Mm -hmm. Um, and that would that would include La La Land in this case. Passengers, there's just no there's no math that works that works out to passengers. Um, uh, but the other four are very highly regarded films. And I think if we look back over the last I don't know five years or so, we can see yeah one of the most popular movies critically acclaimed. What were the scores for those? Yeah, those should be nominated. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how it seems like it goes. Where back in the day it was great movies whether they were critically acclaimed or or what but there were great movies that actually had by our definition great scores and they at least Mm -hmm. got nominated they didn't always win but they got nominated um now they you know they don't even get nominated Uh, they just they're just completely absent and that is a shame yeah, and I'm, I'm, you know, it's interesting. I, I, you know, being on Facebook today and watching all the reactions, and um, I'm part of a Facebook group called Perspectives. Uh, it's a forum for TV, film, and media composers. And uh, super film music agent Richard Kraft is on there, and he posts mm. all the time. Oh, nice. And so anybody out there that really wants to get an inside look at the industry, and I mean, there are uh, hundreds of composers that um, contribute to this as well. Mm. So I mean, like, there's some big names that will. Um, right on this uh, uh, Facebook group. And, you know, he brought up uh, all the five nominations and, and where they came from and how, like, brand new 
you know, four out of the five are like, yeah. these are people you hadn't heard of or heard from in the past five years. And there was an interesting comment, um, uh, where someone had mentioned, you know, aside from Thomas Newman, all the other nominees come from the newer school of composing. Mm-hmm. We're having an identity outside of the film composing world is key. And it's a uh, Lisa Rice mm. who wrote that comment. And what an interesting comment. Yeah. And I'm wondering whether it is that kind of that new school that's coming in and that's what you know, the, the music branch wants to hear from, they do want to hear from new, more new and exciting, uh, talent. They'll throw a Thomas Newman and John Williams in there somewhere, but it's more about, um, you know, uh, newer composers, giving them a little more exposure. Again, yes, the films are popular. If none of, none of these films were, were any good, then I doubt we'd see a nomination. Exactly. But, you know, like you said, maybe there's a, maybe there's kind of like a turnover where, you know, they really want to focus on, uh, these more independent, smaller. Do you think they're consciously so well doing that? They're like, hmm, I, you know, enough you of know, I, enough I, James I, Newton Howard, enough John Williams. Let's get some of these new kids in there. You never know. I mean, it, what what really surprised me was the lack of John Williams this year. You know, you think that a, a score for a Steven Spielberg film and would get him a nomination. I mean, I think the last time that Williams was snubbed for a nomination for a Spielberg film was uh, Indiana Jones Four. Mm-hmm. And you would just think that again, the name John Williams would be automatic, and it's interesting to to me because I didn't think that that was all that a, a strong score. Yeah, um, the film was really awful, <laughs> and I honestly think that Williams's music was quite intrusive in that film as well, which is really odd for yeah. a Spielberg Williams collaboration. Yeah, but again. I mean, it's competently written. The orchestration's beautiful, but I would have thought that Williams is a shoe-in for an Academy Award nomination, no matter what he does. Mm. And so it's kind of strange that he's the one that's you know on the outside looking in this year. Really, right. really strange. I can tell you this, bro. When I interviewed uh, some of my family, my younger generation, one generation down from me, um, <clears throat> they did not know who John Williams was by name. Huh. Do the music, and they're like, oh. Same guy did that and that and that. One day I'm going to actually get that right. edited together and post it. But they did not know. I said, well, who's John Williams? They had no idea. Wow. So we're in that era where yeah. some of these Academy voters probably don't know who. They know his music, but they don't know who he who his, mm-hmm. what his name is and what it means. Um, so, you know, I, I, think, I think that's another part of what's going on. There's just... Another generation that's come up with a whole different um, playlist than we had. Yeah. And, oh, that's uh, valid. Yeah. Absolutely. So in terms of who we think will win, I think we're on the same page there. Yep. La La Land. Yes. Yeah. We think it should and we think it will, which that's always kind of a nice thing if it actually works out that way. Um, but uh, woe unto us if Passengers wins somehow. <laughs> <laughs> the internet will just... I'm going to buy me one of those ostrich pillows. <laughs> and I'm going to wear it like for three days morning. Three days morning oh, of it. You definitely have to put a picture online. Yeah, I've got, now I've got a link about. to what the ostrich pillow is. <laughs> it was something I recommended for you last week, <laughs> given your accident. Um, but yeah, yes. there's all kinds of fun to be had with the ostrich pillow. Anyway, look in the notes if you want to know what that is. Um, yeah. <laughs> so let's let's right all the wrongs here, shall we? And let's give our five nominations for best original score um, for 2016. Uh, you can have well, what did we just what did we do last week? We did 
Oh, the ones we're looking forward to most. So we've not mm-hmm. done any any sort of uh, best of. So okay, no. we'll just take turns nominating. Sure. Um, and you can have the first the first go. Okay. Um, my favorite film score of the year was Swiss Army Man. Um, it was uh, something that really caught me off guard. It was a score that when I initially read the write up of it, I thought, "Oh, I'm not going to like this. This is just going to be a mm-hmm. typical typical kind of indie." film score pretentious and then it played and i couldn't stop playing the album (laughs) it was so crazy and then you get to what i think is one of the finest cues of the year and it's hilarious really just a hilarious cue called montage (laughs) and then as you dig deeper into that track you realize that the lyrics in that track are actually saying every single thing that you're saying on you're seeing on screen, no matter how ridiculous it is, <laughs> it's just being totally and bloody obvious, <laughs> and it's so funny. And that scene is just one of my highlights of the year. It mm. is, it is so good. The film is crazy weird, but Andy Hull and Robert McDowell did something different, but great different. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've heard an acapella score like this ever and that was so strong and so well written that i mean and it's kind of gimmicky because they were only able to use um things that our characters would have found on that island so the percussion is all kind of like you know sticks banged against sticks and right and of course their voice is the main orchestration and i thought okay that's kind of gimmicky it's something hans zimmer might do but they did it so so well it's so fun and um, kind of disappointed that did, that didn't get any recognition. Um, yeah. But I absolutely love that score. <laughs> you brought that up on a different episode. I have no idea which episode it was, um, but you did talk about, or maybe it was off off air. Anyway, we were talking yeah. about it, and I still, I still, I still can't connect. And um, but I've seen others who praise it like you do. Um, yeah. I, I just have, I just have not been able to connect to it. Um, um, but interesting nomination for sure. Uh, probably a lot of listeners or some listeners are, are happy with that. Um, my first nominee would go to Nerve uh, by Rob Simonson. Oh, so good. Definitely one of my favorite scores of this year. Uh, for those who accuse me of, oh, you only like the big, huge symphonic. Not true. Right. Not true. Right. Um, Nerve is not that by any stretch. Beautiful electronic score with just some with some great grooves in it. I mean, it's just such a fun listen. Um, I think Night Drive, the track Night Drive, is one of my favorite tracks uh, of this year. Um, it's just got such a great hook to it. Um, just, it's just a great, and there's, and there's more thematic development within it than one might think. Um, I love the, the kind of eighties throwback vibe that he pulls into it. And it really got me listening to a lot more of his past scores. He's done a lot of great work that, that hasn't gotten the recognition that it probably should have, but he's definitely much more on my radar now than before. And so, um, so yeah, I highly recommend Nerve if if uh, if you have not listened to it, it's on Spotify. I'm sure you can buy it just about everywhere as well. So that's my first nom. What's your second? Uh, my second would have been Ten Cloverfield Lane by mm. Bear McCreary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you watch the opening scene of that film; it's five six minutes long. There's no dialogue, and Bear McCreary just 
owns that scene. He owns mm-hmm. this film mm-hmm. without the score. It's true. The film really, uh, it would work, but it, it just wouldn't have the, the, the proper um, atmosphere and the proper thrills. And bringing back the blaster beam was uh, just a stroke of genius. The <laughs> That strange um, uh, instrument, uh, the Yai Lili Tambor, I think that's what it's called, mm. that is uh, that plays the, the, the main theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a weird, weird sound, but it's... It's so typical of Bear McCreary. This guy is so good and, again, experimental, but not, like, crazy, weird, and inappropriate experimental. He he just finds the right colors and musical voice for most of, if not every, uh, TV show, video game, film that he does. Mm-hmm. I thought this year would be the year that he gets some sort of recognition. And, man, when this film came out, they were talking about this score quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And so oh, I absolutely. thought that would lead to something more, but, um, you know, you want to hear a guy at the top of his game, Bear McCreary just knocked this one out of the ballpark and I hope he gets more, uh, bigger profiled, uh, pictures yeah. as, uh, as the years come on. Cause he definitely deserves it. I totally agree. It, it didn't make my, my, my nominee list, but it did make my honorable mentions list. Um, it's unfortunate that that movie came out so early in the year. I think it's been forgotten um, mm. just because of the glut of so many other uh, movies that have come out since. I guess it was February of last year. Yeah, it was pretty early. Yeah. And super memorable movie, super memorable score. I, I really enjoy his main thing. I guess the, the theme is for the lead character, Michelle. I yeah. really, I really, really, that was a hook that just got me right from the beginning and held me all the way through. So I agree. Um, it was close. It was very, very close to making my nominee list, but not quite. <clears throat> um, so my next one is one that I've probably raved about um, to the chagrin of many on Twitter for, <laughs> for quite some months since I've seen the film um, and heard the score. And that is Kubo and the Two Strings by Dario Mar- Marianelli. Uh, I, I, it could it, it rivals any other score from 2016. It's possibly my favorite score of the year. Um, it is one of those big symphonic uh, type of scores, and I, and I, how can I not appreciate it when there's there are fewer and fewer of these type that, <coughs> sorry, that take that take a a theme and actually develop it through the course of the score. Uh, how often does that happen these days? So when you walk out of that theater, you're whistling that theme. It's you don't even know it, and you're whistling it. That just doesn't happen hardly anymore. At least not for me. And with that film, it definitely doesn't. Every time I listen to the score for another thirty minutes after I'm done listening, that theme is still there, and it's a great, memorable, emotional theme. And I I just want to continue to give Dario Mar- Marianelli props for. Uh, his work that he's done, not just with Kubo, but with uh, Box Trolls and the other um, Leica films that he scored. I mean, he's just, I think he's done other ones, right? He's done, has he done all of them? Uh, there was Coraline and Paranorman, so I, I don't think he worked he, on those two. No, maybe so not. Bruno, Bruno Coulet. That's right. He, Bruno Coulet. And then who did Paranorman? It wasn't. I can't uh, remember. I can't remember. I can't remember. But he did do box trolls, and I loved that score as well. And so I just give him credit for working with the small studio and bringing so much life to hit to those films through his music. And so, (laughs) yes, it's my number two nominee. Yeah, I'm glad, like you're saying, a small studio uh, really understands the value of of music and its importance. 
in the in the film, especially an animated movie. I mean, animated movies usually get some pretty solid uh, scoring. Mm-hmm. And when you're thinking of fantasy adventure <laughs> movies for animation, you're always going to get something I think that you and I are going to like, or anybody that likes a traditional film score is going to enjoy. But mm-hmm. this one is uh, is so good. I might have underrated it. It's number eleven on my top twenty of the year. But oh, wow. I, mean, I have a great, I have a pretty amazing top ten. I at least I think so. Mm-hmm. It, it, that doesn't mean that it's not great. I mean, it is. It's it's a solid eleven. Um, and you know, if there weren't any video game scores, um, or other, uh, you know, TV scores uh, or like documentary scores or whatnot, that it would have cracked my top five. So, oh wow, okay. Like when I do it, when I do a top twenty, I I add you know TV and, and video sure. game and, and everything like that. So, but you know, it's a solid number eleven. It really is one of my favorites of the year, and that film is outrageous. It's so good. I can't believe. Uh, how amazing! And I'm glad uh, I got a looks. nomination. Thank God I so, got a nomination. I'm so glad to. And I got a nomination for best special effects too. Yeah. What a what a what an interesting nomination that is. Very very. But hey, I hope I hope they win both categories. Uh, I hope so too. They they deserve. They didn't make the money at the box office that they wanted, but yeah, at least that's unfortunate. Them, at least give them some recognition this way. <coughs> um, all right. So you're next. You're number three. I've got some issues with, but go for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, my number three would be Pete's Dragon. I uh, saw this movie uh, two weeks ago, really, really wanted to hear the scoring context, and it just did everything that I wanted to do. I can recall when I first played it on my show, I think maybe it was kind of in the middle of all those awful uh, superhero mm-hmm. films, and just it was a downer summer. Yeah. And then this score came out, and you just feel <laughs> good about yourself again. Um, just wonderful, emotive music and you know how can you screw up a flying sequence i don't think you can and the flying sequence the first one in this movie i just it was like i was a kid again goosebumps tears everything and this from a relative new newcomer daniel hart uh he's he's, you know he's got a television series that he's working on as well and i really hope again uh, like bear mccreary that he's going to get a chance to to work on on more film scores. This was one of my surprises of the year. I had no idea. Like when I saw the trailer, I thought, "Oh man, it's a Pete's Dragon." <laughs> right? I'm like, "Come on." You know, and it's a very simple story. It's an obvious story, but it's a Disney film. My kids loved it. I really enjoyed it for what it was. Um it was fun. It was it kind of reminded me of a modern day ET, mm. and it just made me feel kind of warm and and happy, and it was just a theme that just stays with you. It's, it's like, you know, without it being a pun, heart clearly wore his heart on his sleeve mm. with this one. <laughs> it's just all out there. And I love music like this. And I'm so glad that music like this is still being written to this day for films like this. So See, really, really great score. I had a very different reaction. I mean, I... I remember listening to it when it first came out. I was like, oh, this is pretty good. You know, and I like Daniel Hart. He did uh, the score for uh, Ain't Them Body Saints. Ain't Them Body Saints. I believe that's the title. Very good score. Much smaller score, but um, but very interesting. If you've not listened to it, I really enjoy it. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, Daniel Hart. And I remember listening to Pete Dragon. I was like, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Then I saw the film, and I was so disappointed by that film. And and now I can't remember a single lick from the the score at all. It's oh, just complete bad. a complete blank. Um, and I was just so let down by the film. Um, I I expected a little. I just expected a little bit higher. Mm, I don't know. I don't want to say quality. It 
I guess I didn't expect it to be as straightforward as it was. I mean, it was pretty much by the numbers type of filmmaking, which I'm not a fan of. And I know it's family film and all that, and it's Peach yeah. Dragon. But still, I expected there to be a little bit of a little more cleverness to it or something. And so uh, I was pretty disappointed by it. And I think that bleeds into my 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 lack of appreciation of, of Daniel Hart's score. Maybe it'll grow on me over time, but it's just it, it just completely fell off my radar after I saw the film, which is kind of sad. My third uh, nominee is um, very different from your third nominee, but a score that I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, through the balance of this year, and that is The Nice Guys by John Ottman and David Buckley. I love that score to death. It is fun. It is upbeat. I love the, the, the jazz elements and the 70s kind of throwback uh, vibe to it. Um, it's just a pleasurable listen from start to finish. It's an entertaining listen. It's not mm-hmm. hiding in the background. It's not, you know... Is there a score in that film? Oh, yeah. No, you know there's a score, and, and it's not distracting. I know you love the film. I still haven't seen the film yet, so it's kind of not fair. But I love the music so much. Um, I've seen bits and pieces of it. I haven't seen the whole thing. I should say that. But um, what I've seen of how it operates in the film itself it was great with, with the comedic flair of the film. Um, I just think it is a really, really solid score from from, from top to bottom. Um what was your reaction to yeah, it? I think you liked yeah, the film if, a lot, didn't no, you? No, no. Oh, you the didn't film like was the one film? I, no. Oh. I think we discussed this before. There was a couple of um, questionable scenes in it where my wife and I looked at each other and were like, well, I don't think we're going to go any further with this. And I honestly didn't think it was very funny, oh, okay. uh, which is strange. I love Shane Black. Yeah. and um, But I thought he nailed the tone, the look <laughs> of the 70s. Yeah. And, of course, he got a great score from... From John Ottman and David Buckley, and I probably should have given John Ottman a little bit more credit throughout the year, and especially on my my countdown, um, because I thought he did a, an admirable job on X Men as well. That the the opening um, sequence, as ridiculous as it is, mm-hmm. features some pretty amazing music. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, John Ottman's best work is is the Nice Guys for sure. And you're right, great album. Um, I just wish I liked the film more. I really do. I really wish I liked it more because I am a big Shane Black fan, but there was a couple of scenes that just, I, and I don't get offended that often. Yeah. And I, I mean, I really don't. Um, this one offended me and I won't go into the details, but there's a specific scene that happens in the house with, um, oh God, what is his name? Um, uh, Gosling mm-hmm. and his daughter. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just, left rather uncomfortable and I really didn't want to go further because uh, uh, we were kind of bored by it. But at that point I was like, mm, nope, let's go on to something else. Yeah. I get so, you. I get you. Um, yeah. Okay. Well move on then to another, your fourth nominee, which I also have an issue with. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the movie, but I, I really, every time I listen to this score, um, rogue one, a star Wars story, I just appreciate everything that Michael Giacchino did with it and the fact that he only had four weeks to write it. And then I've listened to other podcasts where they've dissected this score and they are just finding Easter eggs left, right and center. Although there's a couple that, you know, they came out like a last week that, you know, the Imperial March was in that hope queue with, uh, you know, Darth Vader's big reveal. And I'm like, well, that was kind of (laughs) obvious, but, um, but there's other little Easter eggs that, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure whether, Chikino meant to do it or not, but he has commented on those podcasts and how clever they are and, how, you know, how mm-hmm. 
um, you know, amazing that they actually dug so deep to find mm-hmm. those little Easter eggs. So I like that, you know, with four weeks to write this score, Giacchino put a lot of thought into it. I, I really enjoy most of the new themes, like Jin's theme. Love the new Imperial theme. The Guardian of the Wills theme is great. Hate the Hope theme hmm. with all my might because when it's played over top of the Rogue One title, I almost left the theater because it was so <laughs> darn cheesy. But uh, Confrontation on uh, uh, Edo, I think that's the name of it, still remains one of my favorite cues of the year. Eight minutes of just wonderful scoring. There's so much going on in there. But the, the, the final climax of that track, the last minute, is probably some of the best scoring I've heard Michael Giacchino do in his entire career. Interesting. Wow. See, um, I, I hear you on, on all of those points. Um, but for me, I, before I nominated Rogue One, I would have nominated Doctor Strange or um, Star Trek Beyond. I think they're superior scores. Granted, he only had four and a half weeks and all those things, and he has the Easter eggs in there. But when I just sit down to listen, I would listen to either of those two scores first, which it pains me to say that, one, Mm -hmm. mostly because it's a Star Wars score, and that just shouldn't be the case ever. But um, there are parts that I like. There's some thematic material that I like, like you. I think, you know, the hope... I like the hope theme. It's It was just presented in an unearned fashion in the film it's it slaps yeah. you in the face and that's the first time you hear it and it's like what the heck was that and right. what, it's just completely unearned and then later you hear it in a much more contained way um and i you know at first i i really counted that against it but you think about star wars and you get that initial blast mm-hmm. that's unearned as well but yet right. somehow it works it, it's right. a better it's a better motif. It's a better theme. That's probably why. Um, but I don't dislike the I don't dislike the hope theme at all. I think it's I think it's quite nice. It just would have been nice if we weren't slapped in the face with it um, mm-hmm. so abruptly that way. I think maybe perhaps um, you would you would have felt it a little bit more palatable had it came in subtly. Maybe that's 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 fair. That's totally fair. Yeah, um, I think it does work with the uh, Jin's theme in that suite at the end of the album. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but it just again that was a major turnoff, <laughs> major turnoff when I saw it on the logo. Yeah, that was so wrong. It was so wrong, and it was only the real misstep of of that score. Well, maybe that kind of real uh, uh, losty type cue at the end of the the movie when the two star destroyers are crashing into each other, and I'm like, yeah. wow, no, you shouldn't be doing that. But overall, um, uh, I'm I'm really surprised by it. I, I really am. And um, at, you know, you're talking about Doctor Strange. The problem I had with Doctor Strange is it's it's fine, and I really do like the the final three cuts on the album. The biggest issue is that it was buried in the mix uh, when I saw the film, so I mm. really couldn't get a sense of how it was working. And again, it could have been the theater that I was at. Yeah. Um, but it was really just like I didn't know what was going on. Um, so I really couldn't get a sense of how it was working. Um, as for Star Trek Beyond, I really dislike that movie. Um, <laughs> Me it, too, it, bro. The score just beats you over the head in that film as well. But you're right. As for an album, and I think the original album is is really good. I find the deluxe edition to be a bit much. However, the new suites that we do get at the end of that mm-hmm. album, uh, wow, the Yorktown yes. suite is just <laughs> sensational. Yeah. But... Um, Star Trek Beyond was was way too much, and you're right. Action Trek is the last thing I want to see. It was just wow, <laughs> yeah. really so bad. Yeah, and um, so it was. It, 
yeah, maybe Chikino's score kind of gets a hit because the film wasn't that great. But um, as a, a, on a standalone listen, it, it's fine. But yeah. um, I think overall, when you think of, for me, um, you know, Rogue One as a film score and, and it's, it's listened on its own, it's it's the most satisfying for me. And, and I really, really enjoy it. And, and again, I listened to it so much and I got so much enjoyment out of it. It's probably the reason why it's so high on my list. Okay. See, I've kind of, I haven't listened to it in weeks now. It's kind of like, okay, I've I've gotten what I need out of it, which is sad. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be the case with a Star Wars score. And maybe at some point it'll, it, I'll come back to it and, you know, start to give it some serious plays again. But I've kind of been done with it for a while. I guess I don't want to be reminded of the movie. I think that's part of it. But yeah, but I, yeah. But I listen I, to I, the I, prequel scores and I don't want to be reminded of those movies either. But I do listen to them more mm-hmm. or in the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks, I've listened to them more than I've listened to Rogue One. So I don't. I don't know all the psychology of it, but I'm sure that has something to do with it. Um, all right, we need to start wrapping up. So let's we'll move through our last two a little sure. bit more quickly. Uh, my number four uh, nominee is Nocturnal Animals by Abel Korzeniowski. Always delivering something interesting for us to listen to. It's dark. It's moody. It's a little uh, Hermanesque to me at times. Um, I didn't actually see the film, but um, I... When I first heard that score, I was just entranced by it. And I could see from what I do know of the film and what trailers and everything that I've seen, I could see how it would present a really interesting mood for a, a very dark score. I mean, dirt, a very dark movie. And um, it's a real standout to me. There's there's nothing that I heard last year that really is comparable to it. Um, he, kinda, he has his own flair and his own style. I'm glad that he sticks to that. Um, and I wish that it was getting a little more... Uh, run because I think it's a it's a a beautifully dark score that um, I enjoy listening to on repeat quite often. Yeah, that's a really good one. Uh, this year, though, I gave my top marks to uh, Penny Dreadful season three, hmm. uh, which I haven't listened to that. If if you've never heard it, uh, <clears throat> you wouldn't believe it's a television score. I mean, I know I mean I know they write big you know symphonic works, but I mean, wow! The I enjoyed the series immensely really disappointed that it's over after season three but he really nailed it for season three so so good i haven't heard it and uh so that was my favorite work of porzanowski's but you know nocturnal animals is uh, is a really really good choice as well um so i'm just gonna do my last one because we've already talked about it a bit uh, my last sure. nominee not surprisingly but it really is in my top uh five and that's la la land by justin Hurwitz, uh which Maybe somehow it'll actually win. I think it's got a good chance. So we won't we won't hash that one through any further. But let me give you opportunity to explain yourself uh, with your last nominee. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, you know, it, it it bad movies should not and their scores should not get shunned just because they, true. they are are part of bad but films. Dude, this and score was so over the top. Yeah, and that's what I loved about it. It was, it was so over the top yeah, for an over the yeah. top film. It was over the top. It 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 matched the film on every single. It went level. more over than but the film did. It did, but it it's the best thing to come out of it. And what I, if you listen to the separate character themes, you're just wondering how in the world did Marco Beltrami get <laughs> so inspired? Like he pulled out his Jerry Goldsmith card on this one. Uh, oh, bro. And I think that he just threw everything that he could at this at this film. 
I even think he knew this was going to be a turkey. And he just wrote <clears throat> a score that he felt was, uh, you know, going to be the to the best of his ability. And okay. I... Did you the say the title sweet, yet? The, sorry? Did you say the title yet? Well, Gods of Egypt? <laughs> yeah. I think he said Belchamy, but I don't think he said the title. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So Gods of <laughs> Egypt. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an awful, awful, awful movie, but, um, I am not going to, um, uh, hold it against Beltrami's score, which I think is just fantastic action, fantasy writing, sweeping themes, big action cues. Um, I uh, I had a great time listening to this album, and I I see a different movie uh, when I'm listening to the score. So um, it doesn't it doesn't really I you know I see more of a a, a mummy film than uh, what was the awfulness uh, that was Gods of Egypt. Uh, so there's no way in hell that this score would get nominated. So, I mean, I had a couple other um, scores like, uh, you know, Tale of a Lake by Penu Altio, which is a documentary, and then a really small B-movie called Dark Waves by Alexander uh, Shimini. And those are higher up on my list than Gods of Egypt, but those didn't stand a chance either of getting sure. Academy Award nominations. But, I mean, as for, you know, bottom five, I had an absolute blast with, uh, yeah, with Bill Trami's score. Well, I'll say this. I, I listened to the score before I saw the movie. So just taking the score yeah. on its own, I listened to it once. And I was like, I can't listen to that again. It was just, really? it was just crank it to 10 and leave it there for the whole score. And I was like, I can't. Now, maybe there is some variance in there, but there, that was yeah. my impression when I listened to it. I was like, dear God, when is this going to end? It just kept going and just pounded me again. It was like, it was like Batman v Superman or Superman v whatever the name of that film was for my ears. I mean, and I just like I can't listen. And then I saw the film, and I was like, it wasn't as bad as as people had told me it was. I mean, it, it, which is worse because I wanted it to be as bad as I was hearing because I could enjoy that, but it actually wasn't as bad as I was hearing. So I was like, oh, this is just a poorly made film, <laughs> and I've wasted my time. Um, mm. But other than watching the film once. And hearing the score in that context, I've never listened to it again. It, it was just, it was just too. And in the film, I can't remember being perturbed by it, but it was that first listening experience where it just seemed to be unending, pounding, just rah the whole time. And I'm just like, give me, give me some variance here, give me some variety, so I can contrast these emotions a little bit. And it just wasn't enough of that for me, and it turned, it really turned me off. So when I saw it there, I was like, whoa. Yeah. <clears throat> I was shocked to see see your nominee I mean, there. It's pretty huge at the end um of the of the score album. It does slow down considerably in the middle, which is it was higher on my list at the beginning of the year. It was my favorite. It was absolutely my favorite. But it really does kind of slow down to quite a crawl in the middle of the the, the album. Hmm. Maybe then it became to monotonous big, to me or something then. Yeah, and I, I I totally agree with that. Um it's just when you get to the big final fight uh sequences, there's a there's two part cues. It's just absolutely amazing. And then you get the um the the two major character themes, like the love theme and then the, there's another character theme at the end of the album. Maybe if it was sequenced better, if we had these two themes at the beginning, it might have uh might have mm. worked out. Mm -hmm. uh, but they are just classic mm. um uh, old school Hollywood sweeping epic themes which i i love so it just it hasn't uh, gotten much marks. discussion since it came out when did it come out early early 2016 right yeah yeah it was uh it was actually uh february okay 
So, uh, yeah, I could see that, you know, people would forget about it, but, um, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to forget about it, that's for sure. <laughs> Clearly, it stayed with you for it, almost yeah, a year. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. I, I, th- I think it's just, it's just a lot of fun, so. Okay. Um, and I like, I like Beltrami's action style. Uh, I really do. I like it a lot, so. Uh, be- I mean, although, I mean, Ben-Hur was total crap, which yeah. is just kind of interesting to see that's the same guy, you know, writing these two scores. Yeah. I can't believe that he wrote Ben-Hur, so. Yeah. Poor guy. I don't understand it, but. Um, all right, well, as we wrap this up, we'll just list a few others that made our honorable mentions list that we haven't already talked about. Uh, mine are Arrival by Johan Johansson. That almost made my list uh, of actual nominees. I know we've talked about it before in other past episodes, mm-hmm. so I won't spend too much time on it now. Um, I do think it's one of the most effective scores in context this year, and I do get some enjoyment out of listening to it on its own. Um, another nominee was Eddie the Eagle by Matthew Margeson. I thought that was a really fantastic 80s score. I listened to it quite often, and if you're paying attention to last week's episode, the opening song and the closing piece were both from Eddie the Eagle because I couldn't figure out well, what do you put, what kind of music can I put for our most anticipated scores because none of the scores are out yet so I just went with Eddie the Eagle because I don't think it's gotten enough uh, run and so if you enjoyed those two tracks from episode 13 that's where they came from um, Dr. Strange by Michael Giacchino we've talked about 10 Cloverfield Phil Lane talked about and actually Moonlight um, it, it was in my honorable mentions um, what about yours? Uh, I have Red Turtle by oh, Laurent yeah. Perez Del Mar. Beautiful. Uh, that film doesn't work without the score because there's no dialogue in the yeah. movie, so the the music carries it. Uh, the Monkey King Two by Christopher Young. Those are ridiculous movies. Again, like Gods <laughs> of Egypt, they're horrible. But yeah. man, Christopher Young is He's... doing some great work on that. Absolutely. Uh, Kubo and <clears throat> Two Strings, Dario Marinelli. Uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Not the greatest James Newton Howard uh, fantasy. <clears throat> Uh, score, but uh, w- when it's good, it's really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, we already talked about Nerve by Rob Simonson, just a deadly album. Yeah. Wow. I yeah. loved it so much. Didn't quite crack the top, though, for you. Where did it land in top. your list? Um, I think it was a lot higher. It was around 17. Okay. <laughs> Let's see, where is it? No, it was 15. 15. Okay. Nice. Yeah. It beat out stuff like Abzu, Game of Thrones, Penny wow. Dreadful, Record, like Between Oceans. Yeah, it's uh, and it, you know it was it was a lot further down, and then I I listened to I I caught the film and I'm like, well, yeah, he nailed it, absolutely <laughs> nailed it. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, I'm glad I made your list somewhere in there. Um, yeah. I hope other people check it out as well. Uh, that's gonna do it for this episode, episode 14 of Soundcast Stereo, where we've counted down, not counted down, counted through, gone through. We've talked about the nominees for the 89th. Academy Awards for Best Original Score, and we've given you our, would have been our nominees if they ever decided to just kind of uh, graft us into the Academy, and we'll straighten them out. Um, so you've heard our nominees as well. We'd love to know yours. Who do you think is going to win this year? Who do you think should win um, of the official nominees? And also let, let us know what you think about our nominees. Are they better or worse than the official nominees um, for this year's Academy Awards? Uh, Eric, where can people find and follow you, and what kind of end-of-year recappy stuff do you have available for them you can follow me on twitter at sound radio facebook at cinematic sound you listen to my radio show at cinematic sound.net also on itunes 
this week, uh, I'm concluding my countdown of the top 20 scores of 2016, so I just pretty much gave them all away in the show, so it won't be much of a surprise. <laughs> when does the but, show come uh, out? I'm also, sorry? When does the show come out? Uh, part one came out last week, and part two should come out near the end of this week. Okay. Time and then I'll do... Right. Yeah, and then I'll do uh, uh, my favorite cues also of the year because there's, there's some stuff uh, uh, that made it uh, on my favorite cues list, but they didn't make it onto my favorite scores list. Oh, okay. So, gotcha. Yeah, that, that, that's always a fun show. So, And then we'll get into some more uh, new releases of uh, 2017. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. If you want to give us feedback, uh, you know where to do it. Soundcast at tracksounds.com. Hit our SpeakPipe widget up. Hit us up on uh, Twitter at tracksounds. Or you can tweet at me if you want to personally for personal reasons. Or, well, no, not for personal reasons. Um, but you can hit me up at, at C. Coleman on Twitter as well. So thank you all for listening. And until our next episode, we want to tell you to keep those knobs in the middle.